Welcome to the Life Self Mastery Podcast, where we bring in entrepreneurs who have created online businesses and improved their lifestyles. Here's your host, Rohit Malhotra. Hi, everyone. This is Rohit from Life Self Mastery. I'm truly excited to have Prati Behra, uh, who's a graduate of Bill Exeter Technology and Sciences, Bilani, uh, who's launched a, a, a million dollar fund, which is called Crack, Crack Capital, which plans to invest in startups funded by college students. Crack Capital plans to invest in 100 startups in the next three years and has now opened the application process for its first cohort of startups. Welcome to the show, Prati. Hey, yeah. Hi, Rohit. Nice to have you here. Nice to, like, like so nice to have, can we just restart? I'm sorry, I just got a little bit caught up with you. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think uh, it's really exciting that you you started a uh, your VC firm, which is called Crack Capital. What got you excited about startups and the VC world? Um, yeah, that's a very interesting question. But I mean, uh, like I wouldn't call it startup or VC world. I would rather call it finding something in like interesting to do. And uh, although I we did start a VC fund per se for students, but we do run it very much like a startup, like our customers are startups and we are very customer centric. That means we are very startup centric, whatever is in the best interest of the startup and not in the best interest of our fund. Right. Always like uh, it doesn't like we think we are betting long term on startups and and uh, if we make them a center, that's going to pay off at some point. So what got me interested, we have to go back in time a little bit. And I was uh, post-college, post-2019. I, I joined a boutique firm in Bangalore, a financial services firm. And three months into it, I started fidgeting around with a bunch of like, ideas here and there. And although none of them worked, I mean, like that's how it happens with everyone, I guess. Then uh, one fine day in May, I got a call from Abhishek Sethi. I know him from college, like since 2014, I would say. And uh, he's a great friend and he was into physics for a long time, into very high technical stuff. I would say he went to Berkeley to do some Irish work, came back to India, joined and like I'm on the wall. Then in the second year of college, he, he pings me. He's like, there's something I have in mind would like to discuss with you. And uh, I pick up the phone and then he goes about like, say, like students, like he just mentions like, why don't we have something for students? It was not even sort of a fund idea when he he spoke to me. It sort of morphed into one because uh, he mentioned about Dom Room Fund. He mentioned about Campus Capital in the UK. And uh, we are like, why is there no such thing in India? Is it fundamentally different? Is it something uh, uh, like other investors here look for like, you know, uh, like more mature people to start up? Uh, but we couldn't really find the answer. Like we didn't have an answer to that. So the natural next step was to figure it out. I mean, to figure out if India needs a student fund and yeah. if India needs more student startups, yeah. I think, I think that was a, that was the start of it after which we did a bunch of pilot. I think we can talk about it as we go. Yeah. Interesting. And, uh, you know, uh, you, you work with a UC inclusive, uh, credit, uh, well, you know, after you went out of college, uh, was it specific on debt capital? And you know, how did how did the company look at you know selecting startups for for the project? right right? So yeah, UC inclusive credit was uh, like the debt investment off of Unitas Capital, and Unitas Capital is uh, uh, is a very well known uh, impact investment bank. 
Uh, what, what I mean by impact here is the companies that they support, the company that they raise capital for or invest in, are uh, like fall in one of the six impact categories that they have like outlined, like microfinance, uh, renewable energy, uh, health, and like agriculture and so on, like education. So at UC Inclusive, uh, we we did a lot of debt investment, like revenue, gen- like in revenue generating startups. Uh, so most of them were in the financial services sector, like in microfinance and in EV finance, and uh, a lot of these financing companies for the tier three, tier four of the country. And uh, along with that, I also happened to do a bunch of uh, EV companies as well. So UC Inclusive was more from a impact side where uh, we did debt and there was no equity financing involved, but uh, and all, all the startups have a so, sort of late stage because you really need to be revenue generating to be able to service a debt, right? So, so yeah, that's what we did there. Interesting. And, um, you know, uh, you, you said something very interesting about, about student startups and whether, you know, uh, they should be a fund for that. And, uh, you know, I had the privilege to work for Ritesh Agarwal, who's the founder of OE Rooms, uh, you know, who's, uh, who dropped out of college, went to the fellow. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. you know, what, what do you, what do you look for, for students as entrepreneurs and, and, uh, and there's an age-old debate, especially when it comes to tech startups, right? You know, yeah. should someone have experience, uh, real-life experience to to build a startup or uh, or something like Ritesh uh, or some of the three fellows who who dropped out and who really hit big. What what, what are your thoughts uh, since you've been so involved with students? Yeah, I mean that's a very interesting thought, and I think I'm on the same page as you. Yeah. Uh, like I mean, I would like. Like I'm uh, astounded as well, but in the last two weeks, I've met like five to six dropouts. I tweeted about it also as well. It's yeah. like it's like we are seeing a change in students, and uh, like that's pretty exciting. Uh, uh, this wasn't there a couple of years ago. Like for like for example, this is very common in the West. Uh, gap years, gap semesters, people do take and pe- people start businesses or do something else. Like, but it's very common in India. It's looked down upon. It used to be yeah. at least. Correct. But uh, we are seeing a change in phenomena. I mean, recently speaking, if I talk about a few startups from India, uh, from my college itself, right? Uh, there's some. There's a startup called Pixel, which is literally launching space. Like they've they, like they're launching satellites to the space, right? A constellation of satellites, oh. and they have raised a lot of money in the last couple of years. Uh, but the defining part of this is uh, when they were in college, they were also part of this club called Team Anand, which used to. Mm, which was a satellite club. Like they used to do all things satellite. And it's so in- interesting to see that a startup coming out of a club. And this is not a new phenomena. Another startup, which is quite famous globally as well, it's called Gray Orange Robotics. I think yes. it's close to a billion dollar company now. Correct. That was also started out of bits. And oh. uh, funnily enough, there's a club called Team Acute, which is a robotics club, which was started by the founder of Gray Orange oh. in bits. And uh, so we are seeing a lot of club to st- club to startups uh, happening out of colleges. Even you mentioned Harshal Mathur like, like before, right? So Harshal right. Mathur as well, like Razorpay is from IIT Kanpur. There's a, like there were a bunch of college kids who were completely into coding and they were essentially sort of the starting team per se of Razorpay. And uh, IIT Madras has this very interesting phenomenon. So, I mean, I completely agree with you that we do some, we do, 
still think that they're outliers. We do still think that founders, student founders are also outliers. And we are seeing that change happen right now. Uh, dropouts, like people taking gap years, gap semesters, these are all convincing uh, points for us, right? When right. a student starts up. So uh, yeah, like you mentioned, uh, like I, I would love to see in like, like while the time we exist, uh, like more and more dropouts coming up and starting up. And that's, that's something that is like a good sign, I would say. Right. No, absolutely. I think the, the younger you are, you can take more risk. Uh, and you also do have the energy because I think startups are not easy, but uh, it, it's a very interesting phenomenon, which is what is what you mentioned that a lot of uh, students are dropping out uh, who want to explore different things because uh, India, if you look at predominantly, we've been very, uh, I mean, uh, parents, uh, I mean, that's how the culture is. We would like to spend more money into into a student's, uh, into, into the child's education and, you know, uh, they've been risk averse where parents would not encourage children to uh, to yeah. start up and all. But but where do you think the, the phenomenon is building up? Is it because uh, we've, in the last couple of years, especially in the last 20, 10 or 20 years, uh, Indian GDP has really grown or, or do you think Indians have become more ambitious and hungry? Uh, w- w- why do you think, you know, when parents are okay with this, their yeah. children dropping out? I think I have a very short answer to this. It's the flywheel effect of more and more startups started by college alumni. So this this has been happening across the country. And uh, like a lot of colleges that are producing more startups right now. And if you ask them, their role model is going to be an alum startup. So I think this is the only reason GDP and all maybe uh, may be contributing to more capital in the market, but they're not really contributing to people starting up. This is what's contributing Mailman is an email assistant that shields you from unimportant emails, minimizing interruptions, and making your days calmer and more productive. You can visit mailmanhq.com and use the code LSM, uh, which gives you the benefit of 15% off for the first year on the annual plan, uh, which already has 20% discounted compared to the monthly plan. So you can visit mailmanhq.com and use the code LSM. Yeah, no, I think uh, this is this is a very interesting uh, point that you pointed out that, you know, Adams, uh, <clears throat> people are looking at role models like Herschel and, uh, you know, some of, the, some of the other founders that you mentioned. But, uh, but you know, uh, if you look at uh, some of the elite uh, universities, especially the, the Harvard and Stanford's, uh, the, the courses are becoming really expensive. Uh, do you think uh, there can be an unbundling of education where students don't have to, you know, spend four years learning learning about learning about a subject which they may not be able to use it later on? Like, like for example, you know, I, I think before the call we were we were discussing about, uh, you know, how in sales roles pe- people don't don't know how to use HubSpot or Salesforce. They yeah. learn it on the job. If you look at Y Combinator. Uh, it, it is it, it is said that it has revolutionized uh, education, uh, especially startup education, because you meet some of the smartest people in four four months, and then you uh, you go out and raise money from some of the richest people, uh, and also Lambda School for that matter. Yeah. But do you think uh, there's there's going to be unbundling of education where students don't have to study for four years, and there could be a lot of uh, you know shorter courses? What, what what are your thoughts on that? Um. So, like, I mean, like, Abhishek and I keep mentioning this, that uh, our biggest competitors are not other VCs, they're probably exams. Uh, 
right? They're probably college exams. And uh, uh, we see the best founders that we talk to uh, probably have to take sort of a pseudo leave from college. Their GPAs are low. They can't focus a lot on studies. And they have focused completely on the product. So we do see that pattern, which uh, raises the question, then why education, right? Uh, at the same time, I think there has to be a hybrid solution to this. I mean, uh, like changing the education model completely to support, say, uh, sales-led tech startups. Uh, I, I, I don't know if it's the right way to go because uh, a, like a portion of our startups also are deep tech, right? And deep tech startups uh, do use a lot of college resources, what's currently like there in the college, right? IIT Madras has a beautiful in, like incubation center and a lot of deep tech startups come from there. IISC in Bangalore, Indian Institute of Sciences, also produces a lot of deep tech startups. So I wouldn't say that the education in certain, uh, like in certain aspect is so, sort of uh, completely not relevant, but uh, I mean, I do agree, like people don't know HubSpot, people don't know Salesforce, people don't know a lot of these tools that they pick up when they start up, right? So what I think could be the, like, I mean, like you mentioned, right? There are a bunch of other private institutions coming in. There's, there's Stoa School in India, which was started by another Bits alum, which is uh, like a mini MBA sort of, like you don't have to spend lakhs and like millions of dollars into like colleges, but you can do it in a short span of time, the things that you need. So there are pri like private institutions coming up to try and solve this. And I uh, do think, uh, the traditional old colleges, uh, the IITs, the BITs, and the IMs and all, which are very resistant to change, will soon have to change because they'll see a sudden uh, like underperformance by the students in their classes. And although they can claim it to be that the students are from our, co our colleges and they're doing well, but uh, the time is better spent somewhere else. And as I'm saying, the private institutions in India as well, are raising the fees year on year. I mean, yeah. if I talk about myself from 2014 to 2018, our fees more than doubled in the last year from the day I joined, right? And that's phenomenal amount of money, right? And if it's gonna keep doubling, you're gonna see, I mean, it's gonna be unaffordable at some point. And the moment it's unaffordable, people are not going to start up. Yeah. yeah. Because yeah. you have a loan to pay, right? Correct. Correct. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I do agree there's gonna be, there's gonna have to be a change in the, way people are educated i'm not sure how that's going to work but uh like uh we, like we have to rethink education from ground up like it's it's not going to be the same it's not like exams can't be the way people are not yeah. getting gps right okay, so okay. yeah i think that's that's the thing that i think about it interesting and uh, you know a, a follow-up on 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 students as as entrepreneurs you know what what do you look for for a student uh, who doesn't have world life experience? Who who might have uh, just ideas with them? Uh, is there any specific skill set that you look for when you interview them? Uh, yeah, right. I mean, yeah, that's a very valid question. That's the only question we ask ourselves every day as well when we talk to founders. So, right. uh, so I first thing I would say is. Uh, 95 to 99% of, uh, of the people we, like we talk to, like the founders we talk to, do not have world life experience. And I think that gives rise to a new kind of creativity. It doesn't 
get it, it, it doesn't show you four spectrum of things that you can like this is a safe thing to do this is a risky thing to do safe and risky doesn't exist in their mind what exists in their mind is pure problem solution approach so when we look at founders i would say the best founders uh, you can straight off the bat you can notice the grit in them you can see that uh, e- even if it's just an idea like a, a very budding say a very normal social media idea they would pick it up they would build an app quickly or build up very simple mvp version of a product in a week or two and give it to users and start experimenting and the moment you start experimenting you know at some point uh, you will hit the right spot or even like like suppose you don't like still is fine because you learned a lot of things by doing experimentation again and again so uh, the web the best founders end up doing a lot of experimentation without raising any money uh they they figure out much more about the market than any news channel can tell you any news website can tell you so that's something uh that we also look for like our people uh put, putting their own effort into it and how creative are they with efforts like for example i'll give you uh like a small snippet of what happened in one of the calls uh yeah. some person was building a like a platform where it's sort of impossible for him to contact a user right? right it could be possible right say for example reddit it's not really like 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 anonymous users right there's no login it's a free to open app correct they they found out a very unique way to talk to users like i mean uh like i mean in the best interest i won't say what they told me but uh it it was super unique to know that they were like eager and hungry to know what the users liked and they didn't like and uh that's that's something that's brilliant right i mean you are hustling you're figuring out ways to do things that you can't in the current set of things and great hustle i would say these two are probably one of the two biggest things that can solve for like like our filtering out process i suppose yeah right well, i think i think it's some secondary like just to take your point out of that like skills do come uh like secondary although a lot of people we meet are highly highly skilled but uh skills are sort of secondary like you can pick them up the moment you know i need the skill you can spend some time and build up on the skill and the smart like the smartest founders will build it on their own right so so that's my assumption right and uh, yeah no i think you rightly pointed out the execution and just just hustling out and building yeah Uh, key building is important and uh, you, you know uh, i wanted to understand what companies are are you seeing uh, which are coming out of these uh, 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 from from the universities uh, in india uh, are they right. are they focusing on on a, are you focusing on a particular thesis uh, like you want to focus on only particular sector or or are you stage sector uh, right. so uh one thing let's talk about stage first right because it's a very simple thing and very straightforward thing uh we want to come in very early like the earliest uh, such that the valuation that we also keep the startups in is not hefty for them uh and uh we ideally we are the first check that the startup ever sees and we are the ones who get these startups uh into the limelight i mean uh they uh so so that's the stage we enter after us they can raise any amount of follow on and that's the thing that we drive through our cohort process and our demo day and stuff like that now coming back to the uh, 
that's the kind of sectors that we see, right? I mean, one more question that you asked was, what sectors do we focus on? And uh, I mean, to that, my answer is our thesis is students. Uh, okay. Students full stop. Like anything that's like, we don't want to define the future because we are not the ones building these products. We want these entrepreneurs to define the future and they choose the sectors. We don't want to call prediction on what the next thing is going to be. Uh, so our thesis is students, but at the same time, I can tell you what we see, right? Uh, for, for example, if you, uh, in India at least, I mean, if you go slightly late stay, uh, like, like slightly mature founders, you would see uh, a lot of SaaS businesses in that like space, right? People having spent some time in corporates and big tech companies, they find out a problem and build a product out of it. Uh, but in the student space, like they have no worldview experience. You see a lot more uh, creative stuff, a lot, like some things are really, really risky as well, but they are creative, they are innovative. So we do see uh, a major chunk of startups are in the deep tech sector and consumer internet. If I want to bifurcate consumer internet further, we see a lot of startups around social, like social slash community, uh, be it commerce, be it stockbroking, be it uh, learning, uh, everything we see sort of is having a social element to it. And I, I, I think there's a new phenomena that's picking up uh, among students. Uh, yeah, I think these are the sectors that we broadly see. Today, I have an interesting stat for you to denote that the founder of Beautiful Lives increased the social media presence by 10x. They managed to publish consistently and effortlessly using a robust social media management tool called Social Pilot. Social Pilot is a cost-effective social media tool that helps businesses scale their social media marketing efforts. Use lifestylemastery.com slash socialpilot to get a 14-day free trial. Right. Well, um, I think important point you mentioned about is social-driven uh, communities. Uh, is it... Uh, is it with Generation Alpha uh, or Generation Z, uh, we call them? Uh, are they are they uh, focusing on social driven projects, uh, which could also be monetized, or are they looking uh, as uh, as a way to start off uh, their entrepreneurial journey and then you know build up uh, an experience uh, around that? Right. I mean, there are two points that you mentioned. I'll address both the points. One thing is, uh, is it the way they start the journey? Well, I'm not sure of the answer as to why people are starting a lot of social businesses, but after talking to a bunch of folks about it, like why they're starting it, it, it seems like uh, it, it's very simple to start off, like build an app, get some users, talk to the users, figure out problems, switch, change, and see what works and see what creates that user stickiness. Uh, so obviously if it's getting started like this there's a rate of high drop off as well right so there would be i mean we do see some people dropping the idea after a while as well uh, uh and so we try and focus on a lot of people a lot of founders who have really seen it through now the second thing that you mentioned is monetization part right i mean everyone who is starting up everyone who's in some kind of a business uh, like any kind of an entrepreneurial like journey i think they know that uh they're here for the business. And uh, the best founders we speak to are aware that uh, the business is what drives attention in the long run for them, right? And yes, and yes, we do see a lot of monetization strategies around communities as well. But uh, 
uh, building a community and then monetizing it is sort of a trend that we are seeing and which makes sense right you build a community of uh, 100000 200000 folks and uh, you you get in a bunch of instructors into that community and they start communicating they start learning and you see a pattern and then that pattern you make your business model and then you start charging and then you start a commission and uh, and the thing is uh, i i i told you a very basic sort of a way that there is but people are customizing this to some whole new level and building very creative products out of it around community right community selling as well i mean the way you sell to tier 1 tier 2 cities is going to be different the way you sell to tier 3 tier 4 cities right. and uh, we are seeing a lot of innovation there we are seeing a social element to every aspect of commerce as well so i think i think it's interesting to see where this angle goes i mean it's pretty new so right. yeah right i think i think it's interesting and um uh uh you, you know i wanted to understand uh, how do you look at portfolio construction uh you know uh, i believe uh you uh, this could be a, like a, a you know 3 to 5 year fund they could be more for long rounds but how how do you define you know portfolio construction uh so i mean our process is pretty sort of straightforward we we taken rolling applications right it's not like it's not like so that you know thousands of people apply we select 10 like 10 best we do a cohort it's not like a school model people apply every month every day whenever they like uh, we try to execute it as fast as possible we do it within like 20 days and uh, uh so the moment we find a product great the moment we see that they have the potential the moment we see they have a long term vision we put in our money we don't think twice about it and we are coming into a early the scope there's a lot of scope for people to develop like there's a lot of scope for these founders to build up on as well so uh, we think the moment we see great amount of positive signal coming from a startup we invest so uh, at the end of it we see 10 solid companies or 12 solid companies in each of our cohort there's no fixed number like 10 is something that we have put an like estimate at but it could be very well like 20 it could be 30 and we have the liquidity to even support that right so 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 that's how we are looking at it i mean early stage all you can do is bet on the founder and yeah. all you should do is bet, bet bet on the founder if you look at a lot of data then it would probably give some amount of wrong signals as well sometimes i would say and if the founders are strong enough they would figure out a way that's the stuff got interesting and uh, you know how, how do you look at uh, putting the right amount of capital um, considering into, into one company do you think uh, you're investing more than say 25000 dollars or 100000 dollars focusing on just just one company is the right way to go about it or is it is it possible to you know uh, take a to 20% of the equity in one company Uh, I'm sorry. I mean, are you asking if uh, we differ in check size from company to company? Correct. And and do you, do you also look at uh, taking the uh, the the equity size to say uh, a specific uh, number, like a twenty percent equity right. in one company? I mean, uh, it's uh, I mean, great question. But at this stage, what we have found out is uh, that signal can cause a lot of consequences can have a lot of consequences if we do a wrong signaling or right signaling it could have consequences so for us at this stage we write a standard check of 
for a standard equity and the equity is also uh, like in single digit number and like a lower single digit number and uh, uh, so it's standard across all our startups uh, all the cap tables are like identical there is no signal like effect like effect from us because we truly think all the startups can kill it in the future right. so uh, from from equity perspective from the amount of money perspective in the first round this is what we do it's a completely standard there's no like like standard term sheets as well very quick execution the moment our ic decides that we're going to invest within a week we we wire the money correct and uh you know last last year has been an inflection point uh, covid there been a lot of uh, spacs which are especially led by chamath uh, from social capital uh, but but do you do you think there's going to be a lot of uh, ipos and exits for for founders and teams especially when it comes to secondary sales uh, going forward considering that you know india has not had uh, that many ipos and liquidity events uh so i would answer this question in a slightly different way uh where uh because like primarily because i like frankly don't have a lot of idea about late stage investments and how they mature to be ipos and why they become ipos i'm 24 right. years old so i i don't really have experience in that field as well uh but i mean i can say what people are saying i mean i like a while back uh like today or yesterday i saw some uh so, like some partner from a major vc fund posting like in the next uh 6 months or one year we're going to see 6 to 8 vc backed startups going ipo in india uh, and i think that's a great number because india has ha- about what uh, 40 unicorns or so 30 40 unicorns and Correct. out of which 6 to 7 companies are going ipo in like the next 6 7 months and that's that's going to be great but i'll i'll sort of i'll sort of go back a bit and talk about uh, uh, our stage right and we do see acquisition as a probable exit for us in the future and we do see a lot of uh, strategic investors taking uh, taking sort of like interest in what we are doing because like these students are very very smart and these students are building companies straight out of co- like college in fact i i would go like before that i've seen 12 standard i've talked to 12 standard kids as well and even they are building great products so uh, acquiring them would be of great asset and we also see a lot of alignment in sort of like creativity coming out of young founders versus mature businesses having a set uh, supply chain I, i would say so a merger of that could make a lot of sense so i think uh, late stage i won't be able to comment much but early stage this is what i think all right and uh, i quickly want to the top three what's your favorite business book uh, i would slightly differ from a book i i i would choose uh three newsletters that i read very often one is lenny ratchetsky's one is uh benedict evans and the third one is uh like strategy so I, i think if you read these three you would you would know a lot about what's happening on the world no um, I, i think the, all the three newsletters are great i'm i'm a subscriber to uh, to lenny's uh, newsletter he's a he's a great uh, you know product thought leader yeah. and uh, You know, if you could go back in time when you started building Trad Capital, what is the one thing you would have focused on or done anything differently? Right, right now we are build, building it for a year uh, or more, slightly thirteen, fourteen months or so. And we went full time last December. Uh, we went all in. We started raising money and stuff. And uh, one thing I could pro- 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 probably change is pre-pon that. I think uh, 
I took a little bit more time to develop that conviction. I took my own own time. I wouldn't lie, and uh, it may have been required. But if I could reverse that, I would build that conviction in, like instantly. And Grad Capital would have been launched in January this year. Got it. And uh, Ishigu, uh, uh, sorry, uh, what's your favorite online tool? For example, Gmail, Slack, Zoom. Hands down, Notion. Notion got it. We'll put that in the show notes. So, uh, what is the best way people can reach out to you and know more about Grad Capital? Oh, definitely. People can reach out to me on LinkedIn. Uh, my name is Pratik Vera. Handle is Pratik Vera nine six. My Twitter ha- ha- handle is also Pratik Vera nine six. And I'm available at Vera at GradCapital dot in. Like any of the social media channels, a direct email or even ping on the website. The mail directly goes to my box. So right. yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. We'll put that in the show notes. Uh, Pratik, thank you so much for taking our time and speaking to us. I really enjoyed my conversation with you. Thanks a lot, Rohit. This was my pleasure. Thanks for listening to the Life Self Mastery podcast, where we teach you how to start and grow your online business. For more information, visit Rohit's blog at www.lifeselfmastery.com. <laughs>